Welcome back to the MicroConf Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Walling. Today, we have a MicroConf Tactics episode titled Break Through Any SaaS Revenue Plateau in Four Simple Steps. This audio is pulled from our YouTube video of the same name, where I talk to the camera for, what, 12 minutes with some great visuals. If you want to check out that full YouTube video, click the link in the show notes or head to microconf.com slash YouTube. Before we dive in to today's tactics, MicroConf Mastermind Matching opens today. You can head to microconf.com slash masterminds to apply to be matched into a small group mastermind with other like-minded founders. These are founders like you on a very similar journey with similar goals, folks in the MicroConf ecosystem who are not looking to go big or go home, but are looking to find freedom, purpose, and relationships through their software products. Whether you're in the idea stage or all the way to millions in ARR, we have a mastermind that will fit you. Masterminds have been one of our most successful offerings at MicroConf. We've been matching now for several years. We've matched 1,000 founders with a collective ARR of approaching $200 million. Applications close on May 12th, that's just a few days from now. Every time we run mastermind matching, we get a few people who come to us after the applications close and they ask to be let in, but unfortunately we can't. So make sure you get in before the 12th, microconf.com slash masterminds. And with that, let's learn how to break through any SaaS revenue plateau in four simple steps. In this video, I talk through the four ways to break through any SaaS revenue plateau. And if you stick around till the end, I'll give you a special bonus tip that most founders aren't aware of. I'm Rob Walling, a startup founder with multiple exits, author of three books on building startups, and an investor in more than 100 companies. So plateauing in SaaS, meaning your growth stalling, it's the worst. This whole video is going to be examining really the four ways that you can troubleshoot it. Before we dive in to how to troubleshoot it, I want to show you how to calculate where your next plateau will be. And it's to take the new monthly recurring revenue that you're adding each month, so new MRR per month, and divide that by your churn. For example, if you're adding $500 of MRR per month to your SaaS product and you have 5% churn, that's 500 divided by 0.05, and that means you are going to plateau at $10,000 of MRR. Unless you lower your churn or increase the amount of new MRR you're adding each month, you will plateau at 10,000 MRR. If we use similar numbers and we say you're adding 500 MRR, but you drop your churn to 2% overall, then you're going to plateau at 25K MRR. It's further along. It still may not be where you want to go, but this is how to think about plateaus. There's also an alternative formula to this where you look at number of new customers you're adding per month and you use the average revenue per account to calculate it. But realistically, this simplified new MRR formula, I think is a nice way to get some idea of when your next plateau will come. So with that in mind, let's look at the four ways that you can break through any SaaS plateau. The first one is probably what everyone thinks about when I say breaking through a plateau, and it's to drive more traffic. You widen the top of your funnel. Sometimes these are just new traffic channels that you're adding. So right now, if you have X thousand new visitors coming to you each month from Google, and those are converting at a certain rate, maybe you add a second traffic channel. You start Google AdWords, you start pay-per-click ads through Facebook. You start answering questions on Quora or Stack Exchange. You start doing cold outreach on LinkedIn or via email. There's all the marketing approaches. It's the 21 B2B SaaS marketing approaches that I talk about on this channel and that are gonna be in my next book. These are just channels that you can add. Other times, it's optimizing a channel. It's taking 
taking a channel, you know, you take that same X thousand Google visitors per month. Are there another five, 10, a hundred thousand people searching for things related to your product? Can you just double down on SEO and increase it there? Still other times you may have tapped out your market where you almost need to pivot the product and add additional verticals. So if today you're focused on a certain type of construction company, say electricians, maybe do you need to start marketing to HVAC contractors and general contractors and plumbers and you know these other things? Because sometimes, and this isn't super common, but I do know some software founders who have a product where they own 80% of their market. And so how do they break past the plateau? Because adding another few percent of that market, it just doesn't move their needle. And so they have either had to sell additional products to their existing customers, which is a really clever way to do it, or you add another niche. And another way to think about that is what we saw Ruben Gomez do with his first SaaS app, BidSketch, which originally was proposal software made for designers. And he quickly plateaued in the design space. There just weren't that many designers sending proposals. And he owned a huge chunk of that market. And so he didn't even add a new vertical. He just expanded it to say, it's amazing proposal software for everyone. It's a horizontal play. And he did what's called a land and expand. He landed in the design space. He got credibility and clout there. He built his brand name. He maybe, you know, stair steps his way up if you think about it, because he built himself some confidence. He got the revenue, he got the skill set. And then he expanded to the more broad playing field of anyone who is sending a sales proposal can now use BitSketch. The second way to break through a SaaS plateau is to improve your funnel. It's to make your metrics of your sales or your marketing funnel better. And there are rules of thumb for funnels. You've heard me talk a little bit about them in this channel and on my podcast, Startups for the Rest of Us. But there are rules of thumb both for sales and marketing of if I send this many cold emails, I expect this many replies and I hope to get this many demos, which lead to this many sales. Similarly, if I'm running a low touch funnel and I'm asking for credit card upfront and my pricing is say $50 a month, I would expect my website visitor to try percent to be in the let's say 0.5 to one and a half percent and if my pricing was even lower entry level was 10 to 30 dollars i'd want to be pushing for one to two percent of my visitors to enter a credit card and try the software and then with a credit card upfront and on file i'd be looking to have a trial to paid conversion rate of 40 to 60 percent so these are loose rules of thumb that i've used over the years and this is how you can tell if your funnel needs improvement is are you inside or outside of these rules of thumb have I seen SaaS apps with a 70 or 80% trial to paid conversion rate? I have. That's outside my rule of thumb because that is an exception, but the, it's kind of the general cluster. The bell curve, if you will, usually falls from what I've seen between 40 and 60% in a low touch funnel with an entry level price point below that $100 mark. And we've talked about how to improve funnels on this channel before, and I'm sure we will again. The third way to break through a SaaS funnel and probably the most common, it's the most common that people should do, but I'd say a lot of people avoid this, and this is to lower your churn because churn is the death of SaaS. Churn is the percentage of people or the percentage of MRR that cancels each month. The hard part about reducing churn is there are so many ways that you can attack it. When I talk about reducing churn, I don't mean having a tactic of making them call you on the phone to cancel, or let's go to annual only, because that of course will reduce churn because they can't cancel every month. The problem there is you're masking a deeper problem with your product. At a certain point, you can do these tactics to optimize churn, but really upfront, I would want that not to be masked and I would wanna be figuring out what is the deep root cause of why people are churning. 
To talk more about churn, we have to break it into two phases. There's the early phase where you have weaker product market fit, meaning you've built something that people maybe kind of want and are kind of willing to pay for, but you don't have that stronger product market fit. And once you get to the later stage, it's just a different approach to think about how to reduce churn. So in the early stages, oftentimes you just haven't built something people want and you have to iterate, you have to listen to feedback, you have to talk to your customers, you have to figure out if you're in the wrong niche, if you have to expand that niche, is it a product issue? Is it a marketing issue? There's so much that's difficult and complex about this time, way more than I can fit in this video. But early stage, usually when I see high churn, it's that you haven't yet built something people want. Other times, it's because you've built a one-time use product. So you might build a research tool, say for Etsy sellers to find a product that might be popular on Etsy if they make it. And oftentimes people are selling really one, two or three products, but they're not selling hundreds. And so they're gonna sign up for your tool, they're gonna use it and they're gonna churn after they find a product that they then start going making and marketing, right? It's just one example, but there's also like a PDF conversion. You know, maybe one time I need to convert some weird file format to a PDF. And so I go searching for this tool and sure, if you make me pay nine bucks a month, I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna sign up, I'm gonna convert it, and then I'm gonna cancel. And these are just a couple quick examples of one-time use products, but uh, that's a, certainly a lesser case than, than what I talked about before, which is not building something people want. But it's definitely something to think about if people are buying and then churning within the first one, two or three months. Is this really a product that people are gonna use on an ongoing? Is this really a product that Peter, let's say you're doing 10K a month, 50K a month, 100K a month or more, you have some some semblance of product market fit. You're starting to get stronger product market fit with a group. You've built something people want and are willing to pay for. The questions you have to ask here are, have you tapped out your market? Like the example I gave earlier, do you own 80% of the market and do you need to either go more horizontal, add in other niches, other verticals, or do you need to add more product lines to your base product? Second question to ask is, you've been doing well, you've been growing, are there new competitors in the space that are starting to eat your lunch? Are competitors coming in and either underpricing you or you know maybe getting in the way of your traffic channels, siphoning off your organic traffic? Look around to see if competitors aren't starting to poach your customers, that of course can lead to churn. If they can go to build with or datanize and get a list of customers who use your tool and they can email them and they have an offer that people can't refuse, you have to be aware of this and it can absolutely lead to increased churn. And this is where it requires product work and innovation. You have to figure out what the problem is to figure out how to counteract it. Another thing that could be an issue is if you're serving low price customers, you're serving consumers, you're serving uh, people who want to be entrepreneurs, like aspiring founders, you're serving prosumers like photographers, they tend to churn in higher volume. And so with a low price point, sometimes you just can't get below a certain level of churn that is pretty high. And so you have to think about, can we widen the funnel like I talked about earlier, or do we need to start adding on higher price tiers? Whether you go up market altogether or just have these pro tiers that bring in bigger customers, you often hear me talk about a dual funnel, and there's a reason that a dual funnel is so helpful is because you have these low price customers on one end and maybe their churns you know, higher with them, it will be inevitably, and then you can bring in larger enterprises that are doing 500 to 5,000 a month, and that allows you to keep expanding even once you top out on your low price customers. The last thing to think about with churn is maybe you've built a vitamin instead of an aspirin. And this, this is tough because you can get a vitamin product, which is something that's a nice to have, but it's not a desperate pain point, right? It doesn't solve a desperate pain point like aspirin does when you have a headache. And the challenge is, is you can get a vitamin up to certainly to 10 to 50 to 100,000 a month 
and then you might just not find any more people who really need this. And so similar to the above, you have to start thinking through, do we change the product? Do we change our marketing? How do we get around this? There's a companion video to this one all about churn and reducing it. It's called What is Churn and How to Reduce It in Your Startup? You can check it out in this channel. Fourth and final way to break through plateaus is to raise your prices. I've said it before, I will continue to say it in SaaS, Pricing is your biggest lever, and most founders underprice the products at least when they start out. I did a 45-minute talk on this topic with almost everything I know about how to price SaaS products, how to think about your value metric and your feature gating, how to raise prices, when to raise prices. It's called the Fundamentals of SaaS Pricing, and you can see it linked in the upper left, or you can head to it after this video is done. Next, I'm going to give you a special bonus tip that most founders aren't aware of. But first, if you've enjoyed this content, you found it valuable. I'd really appreciate a like and a subscribe. And please comment below if you have questions, comments, or additional thoughts. The bonus tip that most founders don't think of or don't encounter is sometimes you just accidentally break something. And sometimes the action you need to take is to fix that thing that broke. So for example, you might have a major marketing setback, like you're all in on Google organic search and Google gives you a penalty. So suddenly you lose half your traffic or three quarters of your traffic. And fixing your churn or widening your funnel is unlikely to help you at that point. Really, you need to get to work on fixing what you broke. Speaking of breaking, I've seen founders, I've done this myself actually, accidentally make a marketing change and you just break your funnel. You mess up your pricing page so no one can sign up. You forget to ask for credit card. You forget to bill at the end of a trial. You change your homepage headline thinking it can't do any wrong and suddenly you're getting half the conversions. Keeping a marketing change log is my advice here so you know what you changed on what date and you can track it back. But sometimes you do just need to go back and fix that thing that you broke. I hope you enjoyed these four ways to break through any SaaS revenue plateau. I'll see you in the next video. Thank you.